Welcome to the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast. This podcast is sponsored by my supporters on Patreon and by B Books, publisher of A Farmer's Guide to Climate Disruption, which is now available in print, ebook, and audiobook. B Books also publishes climate smart romance novels by Tara L. Roy. Learn more at bbooks.org. You'll also get free climate smart downloads, including tips for weathering drought and flood, and the Farm Emergency Preparedness Plan. When you subscribe to BeeBooks newsletter, sign up at beebooks.org, beebooks.org. I'm your host, author and multimedia artist, Rebecca L. Fraser, and I'm excited to share this episode of the Climate Smart Farming Show podcast with you. So let's dig into it. This episode is sponsored by Kamut brand Khorasan wheat, ancient grain organically grown. From 36 kernels and legends of discovery in Egyptian tombs, today, Kamut brand Khorasan wheat, an ancient grain, guaranteed under the Kamut brand to never be hybridized or genetically modified, always organically grown, prized for its nutrition, ease of digestibility, sweet, nutty, buttery taste, and firm texture, can be found throughout the world in products including breads, pasta, pizza, cereals, snacks, pastries, crackers, beer, green foods, and cereal drinks. Part 3. Disaster at Your Door. Methods for Climate Resilience in Extreme Times. Farmers have always coped with calamities like drought and flooding, but in recent years, superstorms have increased in frequency and intensity. Such extreme weather events seem like the stuff of movies until they happen to you. Are you prepared for misfortune? In this section, farmers share their stories of disaster and recovery, and experts offer resources to help you plan for the worst. Chapter 5. Lessons from the Field How Proactive Farmers Are Resilient in Extreme Weather A severe hailstorm swept across Bob Quinn's Montana ranch in early August 2015, long after the hail season was over. Quinn was concerned, but did not panic. Hailstorms typically last a few minutes, but this storm lasted over 20 minutes and did enormous damage to crops, even though the hailstones were small. However, Quinn knew his planting strategy was such that the storm wouldn't cause a total loss. He said, Our crops are so diversified, the damage to each different crop was quite variable. The soil-building green manure legume crops had already terminated and been worked into the soil, so there was no loss there. The alfalfa hay had already been swathed and baled, again, escaping loss. The safflower was blooming, but Quinn said the plant is so sturdy that there was no visible damage immediately after the storm. A few darkened kernels were seen at harvest time a couple months later. The grain crops did not fare as well. Quinn's Kamut brand Khorasan, an ancient spring wheat, suffered an approximate 35% loss. Because the Kamut was not yet ripe, 
Many kernels were still soft and green and not easily knocked out of the heads. In contrast, the winter wheat kernels, which were ripe and nearly ready to cut at the time of the storm, were easily knocked out of the head by the hailstones. Quinn lost about 70% of that crop. The feed barley fared worst. He said its heads were erect and the kernels fully exposed to the hail. The hail was not big enough to break the straw, which normally happens, but every single kernel was stripped off, so the crop was a total loss. The peas, which were also quite near to ripe, were easily shelled out by the hail and were also a total loss. In the winters, both before and after the hailstorm, Quinn experienced several extra warm southwest winds, also called Chinooks, several more than usual. Each Chinook was followed by sudden and extreme cold, which Quinn said is also unusual. In 2014, Montana had abnormal highs in the 60s in late November. This was followed by a sudden storm that dropped temperatures by 50 degrees in 36 hours. These extreme temperature swings in winter 2015 and 2014 killed or damaged over half of the 23 different varieties of semi-dwarf apple trees in Quinn's experimental orchard. He said, The varieties I had planted were all rated for zone 3, meaning they would survive temperatures of below 40 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter. Quinn attributed the loss of his apple trees, which never experienced temperatures of 40 below, to rapid and extreme swings in temperature and rapid fluctuations in moisture during the dormant season of late fall to early spring. He said, looking at a longer time span, we used to experience approximately 11-year cycles of dry and wet years. Following the wet years in the mid-1990s, it was 20 years before the next wet year. During that time, we had two very dry periods. This year, we had a drought following the wettest year we have had in 20 years. These dramatic weather patterns exemplify the types of fluctuations that have become more common throughout the world in the last decade. In Alaska, farmers Susan Wilsrud and her partner Tom Zimmer have observed radically different frost dates, planting times, precipitation, and temperatures from year to year. Their strategy for dealing with highly unpredictable weather shifts, which they attributed to climate disruption, is the same as Bob Quinn's diversity. Wilsrud said, we grow a really large range of crops, so each year something will do really well under the conditions and other things won't, but it all works out fine. Wilsrud and Zimmer grow 40 to 50 different crops, including herbs, vegetables, and cut flowers each year. She said, we aren't going down the road of specializing in our higher value crops, knowing that we could have unexpected conditions. We are avoiding larger amounts of crop loss by continuing to grow many crops. Also, we are keeping a high number of our market in local CSA. Wilsrud and Zimmer appreciate the diverse nature of CSAs, both in the number of crops and in the number of individual consumers. They feel the CSA model offers farmers more relationships as well as more stability. She said, 
It works fine to have some people come and go each year. Also, in a CSA, people are investing in the farm and also sharing both the risk and the bounty with unexpected weather. This is a benefit. In any system or organization, from organic agriculture to businesses to community action groups to CSAs, diversity begets stability. Quinn believes this principle applies in the short term and the long term. He said, In addition, organic agriculture provides one of the greatest potentials for mediating climate change by creating an enormous carbon sink through carbon sequestration, which happens when green manure crops are turned back into the soil. Also, the production of tremendous amounts of greenhouse gases is avoided when the production of chemical fertilizers, not needed in organic systems, is first reduced and finally stops. These two things alone would completely reverse the growing accumulation of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. Hand in hand with choosing diverse crops is carefully selecting crops and animals if you grow livestock that are appropriate for your zone, your microclimate, and the types of weather extremes you are likely to experience. Wilsrud and Zimmer raise heritage Shetland sheep a resilient breed that thrives under a wide range of conditions. The farmers selected them for extraordinary fiber quality, overall vigor, and mothering ability. Quinn finds older selections of crops are more resilient because these varieties are inherently diverse. The older lines are not pure lines, he said, because they were originally collected in the wild. They have many strains which are closely related. This is unlike the monoculture pure strain resulting from modern plant breeding and selection. Quinn continued, the mixture of multiple strains called the land race results in a crop which has individual plants with different resistance to extreme weather, insects, and disease. Therefore, when subjected to any of these challenges, many of the resistant plants will survive, while some of the susceptible plants will not. The resistant plants can then grow bigger and fill in the spaces left by those plants which died. In contrast, when a pure line is hit by extreme weather, if one plant is susceptible, they are all susceptible, and the whole crop will be lost, leaving no survivors to fill in the gaps. In Quinn's experiments with apple trees, he found that standard trees are more resilient than semi-dwarf trees. He has concluded that the rootstock used to create the semi-dwarf also creates stresses, which lowers the tree's resistance to weather extremes. Quinn said, As the weaker semi-dwarf trees die or are severely damaged from extremes in fall, winter, and spring weather, I am replacing them with standard trees. If the science isn't enough to convince people that climate disruption is a real thing, I think the increasing frequency of extreme weather events ought to do it. This is the first of three episodes focusing specifically on natural disasters, and I'm so grateful to the food growers who shared their stories with me. As you know, farmers worldwide have suffered more natural disasters than ever in recent years. The people I spoke to in the U.S. experienced traumatic events that required great strength and resilience to overcome. I learned so much from hearing the previous stories, and I hope you did too. Next time, we'll talk about what to do in a disaster.
I'd like to thank Bob Quinn, not only for the phenomenal interview he gave me for this episode, but also for his partnership and support of this podcast. To learn more about Bob's practices and perspective on organic farming, food, and preservation, visit bobquinnorganicfarmer.com. That's B-O-B-Q-U-I-N-N, organicfarmer.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.